0: Out of my message today is a different year, a different approach. I'm sure most of you know this, but you know, New Year's resolutions are fine, but the word of God has some really great advice about how to have a better year. Amen. If you would turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Ruth, we're gonna be in chapter three. And we're going to start reading at verse number one. Ruth, chapter three, verse number one. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself... And anoint yourself, put on your best garment, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be, when he lies down, that you shall notice the place where he lies. And you shall go in, uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. Verse 5, And Ruth said to Naomi, All that you say to me, I will do. So my first point is this. Daughter-in-laws, always do what your mother-in-law says. Don't think I'm looking at my daughter-in-law over here. I'm I'm not doing that at all. But, uh, But here we see Naomi teaching her daughter-in-law Ruth how to approach Boaz, who is her kinsman, in order to get a good life for Ruth. Ruth's husband has died. Naomi's husband has died. And so Naomi is trying to make a way for her daughter-in-law Ruth. And Naomi gives her several steps that can be life lessons, For you and me, as we start this new year and want to see Jesus Christ, our kinsman redeemer, do something for us. Now the first thing is, you must know what you're going after. You must know what you're going after. Now you can't live life just meandering around waiting to win the lottery and hoping you get discovered by Hollywood. You have to have a specific target in mind. Now, Ruth wasn't looking for just any man. She was looking for the man, and she knew exactly which man that was. Ruth had a specific goal, and Boaz was the answer. And so she knew what she was going after. But you see, most people don't succeed getting what they want because they don't take the time to research what they want. They ask for things, and then they decide if they want them. Let me give you an example. Now, most of you may think that you would like to be independently wealthy. But if you're not good at saying no, you're not going to be wealthy for long because you're going to have more cousins than you can shake a stick at. So you have to be careful what you ask for because... You might just get it. What does a barking dog that chases a car do with a car after he catches it? (laughs) And so before you start blabbing all that you want to see God do in your life, you need to be sure that's what you really want in your life. Because the fact is, friend, with every blessing, consequences come. So be sure that you know what you're going after. You know, before the patriarchs in the Bible went after anything, they asked God, is it your will? And this is a very significant question. And one that we need to ask also. So before you go after something, you need to ask God, God, is this for me? Because if it's not for you, well, then quite possibly the only reason that you're going after it is because it looked really good on somebody else. And you begin to covet what someone else has. Over and over in the Bible, God speaks against coveting things that belong to your neighbor. Jealousy is a sin. But friend, God's plan is for you to only want what he meant for you to have and not what he meant for Joe to have. Now, there are people that will say amen to that, but really there are very few people who live by that principle because most people want everything that they see someone else with. And that's why they buy clothes that don't look good on them. They wear hairstyles that don't look good on them. They buy houses they can't afford because they're through trying to keep up with the Joneses, and now they're aiming for the Kardashians. (laughs) You know it's true. But if you really want to be a winner, if you really want to live in God's sweet spot, only go after the things that God meant for you to have. Now, I can tell you that I know Kung Fu. And if you'll stand still and let me kick you upside the head. Any volunteers? You might believe me. Yeah. You might believe me, but if someone attacked us and you're relying on me to use my kung fu skills, we're both in for a whipping because I don't have any. But what makes you a winner is when you pick your battles. You may want what Susie has, but you are not anointed to fight Susie's battle, and so you covet the thing that you are not gifted to handle. And that's why your happiness and your blessings come from being content with that which God has for you. Now, as long as I'm meddling, I'll just continue. Another pitfall in this area is envy. What is envy? Envy is the attitude that you have about what I have. Envy is the attitude that you have about other people's success. When you become envious of other people's success, you put a limit on becoming everything that God wants you to be. You say, well, Mike, how do you know that? Because 1 Peter chapter 2 tells me that when it says, rid yourself of envy so that you can grow in God. The quickest way to stop being envious of other people's success is to know and realize That God has something special for you and that God is in the process of preparing you for that thing. And what that means is there are going to be defining moments in your life. And when handled properly, these pivotal points are going to bring you into God's purpose for your life. And it's then that you realize that your prayer requests are actually your praise reports, and you are in a position for what God wants to do because you are in preparation for what God wants to do in your life. That's what it means when the Bible says, count it all joy. When you find yourself in troubles and tribulations. That's basically what Romans chapter 8 verse 28 means when it says all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. When you come to the defining moments in your life, you can look at the other moments in your life and you can say, Lord, I wasn't happy about that when it happened, but I'm glad now because I realize that if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't be ready for this. So Lord, I realize you took me through that so to prepare me for what I'm going through now. So now, Lord, I'm ready to face anything that you want to bring because I know you are going to see me through Hence, Lord, I know you're going to do it again. So know what you're going after. Be clear about your direction. Don't wake up in the morning and see if something's going to happen. Wake up in the morning and make something happen. Get out of bed with an agenda. Wake up with, good morning, Lord, let's make something happen today. But you wake up with, good Lord, it's morning. But at least I'm up. (laughs) Nothing's going to happen with an attitude like that. And that's when days turn into weeks and weeks turn into months and months turn into years. And years of mediocrity is what causes people to become bitter. I mean, if you're looking for bitter people, just get around people who aren't doing anything. You'll find some bitter people. You'll see they're bitter, they're complaining, they're cynical, they're jealous because nothing is going on in their life. But listen, on the other hand, if you're tired of gossip, if you're tired of jealousy, get around successful, busy people because busy people don't have time to care what's going on in your life. I don't have time to stalk you on Facebook because I'm too busy trying to chase what God has for me. The only people who have time for that nonsense are people who aren't doing anything. But when you live your life with a God-given agenda, you won't spend time worrying about how you feel. You don't have time to worry about how you feel because you know what you are going after. You know what you're going after. Well, the second thing that Naomi says to Ruth in verse number three is wash yourself. Now, I'm not talking about the wash yourself that your mom used to say to you. Be sure and wash behind your ears. Be sure and wash in all your cracks and crevices. (laughs) No, I guess that was just my mom that said that. What I'm talking about is don't let your past affect your present don't let your past affect your present wash yourself means wash everything off of you that you have collected along your journey wash off your past so it doesn't pollute your presence present you would be surprised at the people who have ruined where they are with where they came from You can talk to them for a while, you can interview them, and it's not long until they're talking about what they went through on their last job or their last relationship. Well, they just just weren't ready for me. They didn't understand the gifts that I had. They didn't understand my talents. And you don't have to talk to them long until the bitterness, bitterness and the anger begins to seep out. Now, granted, they may have truly had a bad experience, but the main problem is they have never washed away their past. And so they're not ready for what God wants to give them now because they're still polluted by what they went through then. Now, there are people here today in this room, they're not polygamists, but they're still married to two or three people. You say, Mike, what are you talking about? Well, you're married to Fred, but you're still angry about Jimmy, and you've got an attitude toward men because of Tommy. (laughs) And guys, you're with Sally, but you're treating her like she's Betty because Veronica used to do that very same thing. See, some of you really weren't ready to get married again because you never washed your face. And you're ruining your present because your past is still active in your life. Now, I know you can't say amen to that right now, but just think about it. Think about it. So the old woman told the young girl before you go any further, take a bath. You can't go forward until you wash the past off of you, you can't go forward until you get rid of yesterday. Now, what I'm talking about, let me, let me bring it to now and us. This isn't rocket science. If your New Year's resolution is to lose weight, stop going to Golden Corral. <laughs> Hello, McFly. <laughs> Drive on past Krispy Kreme and Dunkin' Donuts. I don't care if it is calling your name. You don't have to give in to it. The broccoli's calling your name also. You don't give in to it. If you want people to be friendly to you, wipe the scowl off your face. Starla, don't say anything. She's she's always saying, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? I say, nothing, nothing. Why aren't you happy? I'm, I'm thrilled. And she says, Look at this, look at this. And she holds up a mirror and I'm going, <laughs> tell your face. And I said, but, but that's just my, that's my neutral. <laughs> and she said, buddy, you're neutral, better get a new gear. you have to wash your past off or there's a good chance you'll forfeit your opportunity to go forward. Well, then Naomi tells Ruth, anoint your face. In other words, put on a fresh attitude. Put on a fresh new attitude. In the Bible days, they anointed their face and it did for them what makeup does for us. I mean, not, not me, us. I, I don't wear makeup, but I'm talking about for you ladies that wear makeup. But we all know that it'll brighten your countenance. It gives you a fresh, glowing look. Well, that's that is what God's anointing does. It gives you a radiant look. It gives you effervescence. It gives you a positive attitude where you can walk into a room glowing. But you have to understand something, though. This is something that you have to put on. This doesn't just happen. A good attitude is not going to chase you down and tackle you. But you know, this generation, it has a philosophy of keeping it real. I'm just just keeping it real. And we think that keeping it real means expressing everything that you think. But I want you to know keeping it real will keep you broke. Keeping it real will keep you unemployed. Keeping it real will keep you divorced. Because people don't really want to hear every inane thought that passes between your ears. What they want to hear from you is to come to work with your face glowing and say, Good morning. May I help you today? It is so nice to see you. We're going to be with you in just a minute. They don't want you to come in yawning and scratching and, oh, man, traffic was so bad. I about let that guy that cut me off have it. I really gave him the salute. <laughs> they don't want you to come in saying, oh, my babysitter was late and I don't feel good. Oh, you're so lucky I'm here today. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that. They want you to put it on whether it's you or not. And some people say, well, that's just being fake. Well, Romans 13, 14 says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So there. (laughs) It does not matter whether you feel spiritual or not. If you're going to fight the devil, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and walk into the Holy Ghost. No one feels anointed all the time, but you have to put on the anointing because if you don't start changing your attitude, you will miss your ultimate altitude. Listen, for some of you, God wants you to soar with the eagles, not the Philadelphia eagles, but heavenly eagles. But your attitude keeps pulling you back down, hanging out with the turkeys. And you wonder why the devil's fighting you so so hard, and the devil is not fighting you. It's your grumpy countenance that is keeping your attitude from letting you get anywhere. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You know Almighty God? Everyone know who I'm talking about? Creator of all things? He doesn't want your attitude either. Psalms 100, verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with what? Gladness. He didn't ask you how you felt. He didn't ask if you just got a raise. He said, Serve me with gladness. If you're gonna do something for me, he says, do it with a smile. Come into my presence with thanksgiving. Don't come in here moaning and groaning. Oh, man, I just, didn't, I just about didn't come to church today. Like you're doing, God, some sort of favor. God doesn't need your charity. You owe him your best praise. God says, when your feet hit my floor, start singing, this is the day. This is the day the Lord has made, and I am going to rejoice and be glad in it. Doesn't matter how you feel, put it on. And when you put it on, God will change how you feel. He will give you the garment of praise for your humdrum spirit of heaviness. But you see, you've got to start the process. You've got to anoint your face. You've got to get a new glow. God wants to do something new in you, so don't bring that old, sad, somber, depressed, defeated attitude and expect to receive what God has for you. If God has given you a new day and a new opportunity, which he has because you are here today breathing, well, don't you think it's about time for your face to show it? Smile at me. Smile. The fourth step is that Naomi said is to change your garments. Change your garments. Now changing your garments means to prepare for something that hasn't happened yet. Prepare for that thing that has not happened yet in your life. Ruth hadn't even gone to Boaz, but Naomi tells her, before you go, prepare now for where you are going to be then. Prepare now for where you are going to be. And put on your best clothes. You see, because God blesses people who are prepared. But you have to get ready, though, because when you prepare for something in your life that hasn't happened yet, well, let's be honest, you might feel out of place. With your current surroundings. One time, I was performing a wedding for a family member in all places, Las Vegas, Nevada. They flew me out to Las Vegas to do a wedding. And uh, Benny, you would have been right at home there, but uh, (laughs) I was not. I was not. And so there I was in the lobby of this Las Vegas hotel in a tuxedo. And everyone else had on shorts, bathing suits, or blue jeans. And people were staring. And immediately I wanted to explain, hey, hey, I'm going to a wedding. I'm going to a wedding. I'm not the maitre d'. I looked ridiculous in that monkey suit in that setting. But it was because I was prepared for where I was going. And I kept saying, hey, hey, uh, does anyone know what time the wedding starts? Does anyone know what time the wedding starts? I want people to know that, that I wasn't Crazy. But you see, because of what I had on, people knew that I wasn't going to the pool. So you need to prepare for the direction that you're going. But understand that when you change your garments, there's going to be a certain amount of peer pressure, and people will treat you differently where you are because you're dressed for where you're going. But don't worry about it. Let them stare. Like my granddad used to say, look like you're in business whether you are or not. Get dressed for where you're going. Be ready for it. Learn about it. Study to show yourself approved. Practice being blessed. Practice feeling good. Practice being healed. Change your garments and be ready for the things that your eyes have not seen and your ears have not heard because God wants to do something special in your life this year. The fifth instruction Naomi gives is for Ruth to go down to the threshing floor. In other words, move into the place where the blessing is going to come from. Have you ever noticed that that whenever depression comes, one of the first things that you want to do is just stay in the house and pull the drapes, hide under the covers. You see, because the devil knows that in order to get a certain level of blessing, you have to be under the spout where the glory comes out. The devil won't care at all if you're all dressed up. As long as you're dressed up in the wrong place. You see, it was all right that I was in the lobby in a tux as long as I left. But see, if I would have stayed in the lobby too long in my tux, I would have missed the ceremony. I would have missed my purpose. I would have missed my calling. See, if you're going to be successful, you can't fit in with the herd because you need to be dressed for where you're going and so to receive what god has for you be prepared to be a misfit and you might even be lonely but you're too close to your promise to let your history hinder you from getting to your destiny i mean god knew who you were when he chose you he knew your past he knew your secrets he knew your shortcomings and it didn't bother him so why are you letting it bother you Get yourself ready for what God has for you, and he promised that you would be the head and not the tail. God has a miracle for you, but you've got to go to the threshing floor because that is where Boaz is. Well, then Naomi said, now when you get in the place, when you get to the threshing floor, don't make yourself known. In other words, Ruth, keep your mouth shut. How many know that's hard for a woman, I mean, that's hard for a person to do? (laughs) Naomi is saying, don't get to the place and try and make something happen. Friend, listen, all God wants you to do is wash yourself, anoint your face, change your clothes, get to the place and wait. Wait and let God work it out. Have you ever been excited about something but no one else really cares about it except you? Well, what do you do? Your first tendency is to try to hype it all up so they're excited like you are. I mean, Starla's always telling me why this new pair of shoes that she just has to have is the be-all, end-all of all shoes. And she can understand, she cannot understand why I'm not just jumping up and down like she is. And I tell her it's because they are no different than the other eight pair of red shoes you have in the closet. But God says, don't try to make it happen. Don't try to hype it up. Just be prepared and just wait. And when you wait on the Lord, you're not going to have to open the door. God will open the door for you. And when God opens the door, it will seem like it comes out of nowhere. And just when the devil is about to try and come down on you for wearing a tuxedo in the lobby, God will bring Revelation 3, 8 to pass and tell you, I have set before you an open door. Now listen, if you and I, if we open the door, we have to sweat to keep it open. But when God opens the door, he opens doors that no man can shut. And friend, I want you to know this year, God wants to open up a door for you that will blow your mind. That will just blow your mind. And you won't have to fight for it. You won't have to make it happen. All you have to do is stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. God is going to open the door if you'll just wait on him. And then you'll be able to walk through to your destiny. And I understand you may have been waiting for a while. But just sit still like Ruth and wait on the Lord. God doesn't always pay on Friday, but he always pays on time. The Bible says, though the vision tarries, he will not lie. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. But when you're waiting, your flesh and your wife says, Hey, you've got to do something. But what do you do when you don't know what to do? Sometimes you do nothing at all. Because if God knows the number of hairs on your head, you can be sure that He has not forgotten you. You have to trust in the timing of God and wait on Him. My last point is this. Never try to rush your promise, but when it's your time, baby, it's your time. Ruth waited and never spoke to Boaz until Boaz spoke to her. In verse 9, Boaz asked, Who are you? And Ruth answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. And she told him what she was going after. Take me under your wing. When Ruth got the green light, she was ready. So friend, when it's your time to shine, when God says you're ready, grab a hold with both hands and give it everything you've got. Make faith a verb in your life. Put action with your faith. When a woman's getting ready to have a baby, she's instructed, now wait a minute, it's not time yet. Don't push. Don't push yet. But I want you to know, when it finally does get time, the nurse says, the next contraction, the next time, I want you to push. I want you to push with everything you've got. You see, Ruth didn't rush her promise. But when Boaz asked, who are you? She said, I am Ruth, and I need you to be my kinsman redeemer. It was her time. And she was not afraid to speak up for herself. And her strength was in knowing when to be silent and wait and when to speak and act. So don't rush your promise. But when it's time, cut loose, shout unto God, and push. To receive what God has for you. Bow your heads with me if you would. Now, I know last year is over. But just for a minute, as you reflect back on it, was it a good year? Or was it one that you were glad to see end? I'm sure you've heard the saying, if if and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Well what this is talking about is someone who is expressing regret. If this would have happened, if this wouldn't have happened, well, I'd be on top of the world. You see, if is a small word but it's a word that can have huge implications because all of the regrets and all of the remorse throughout history can be heard in the echo of this one little word, if. So for you, was 2017 framed by the word if? See, if conceals hope. And if can cause us to be bitter, and it can certainly cause us to live with regrets. The addict says, if I just hadn't taken that first drink, or that first pill, a person dying of cancer says, if I just hadn't smoked my first cigarette. You see folks, living with regrets is a miserable way to live. Does. 2017 or 2016 or for that matter 1970 have you jailed by your past mistakes past sins bad decisions and bad breaks maybe you're here today but there's a cloud from your yesterday that's raining on you and threatening your tomorrow with storms that just seem insurmountable. But I want you to know God can do it again. He can do it again. And you see, friend, this is where Jesus Christ shines the brightest. Because what your mind can't overcome, or when society won't give you another chance, Jesus through his shed blood on Calvary offers you a place of new beginning. And he can erase the word if from your vocabulary if you let him take control of your life. Would you like 2018 to be a different year? Well, how about trying a different approach? How about trying making this year the year that you sell out to Jesus? With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if If you have sin in your life, if you need God's forgiveness, would you raise your hand all over this room? Yeah, thank you, thank you. You know, you know, you know as the Holy Spirit is ministering to you, you know that there are practices and things that you're doing that are not pleasing to God. There are things that you're doing that are keeping you from reaching your full full altitude. There are things that you did last year that kept it from being the year that God wanted it to be and you want to make a new beginning and try a different approach. Are there others? Anyone else? You need forgiveness. Thank you. Stand with me if you would. All over this room. Altar workers, elders, would you come? Take your place around the front. Now, if you raised your hand or you didn't raise your hand, it it doesn't matter. But if you want 2018 to be different than 2017, I invite you to come. Get out of your chair right now. Make your faith a verb. Put some action with it. Whether you raise your hand or not, come on. Don't wait till I'm finished talking.